welcome to sin talk the sin talkers around the table today discuss the mediators and actors we'll think about action agency inaction and mediation in the world and in our social lives is to be an actor to be a subject is mediation a species of action what can be acted upon how are humans different from animals and machines on the agency question do mediation and materiality produce each other can one act upon oneself and when how do inanimate things act upon each other how are durable assemblages of actors and mediators created do collectives such as nations act differently from individuals are actors always visible and what is the long term future of activating the world we are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers with us here today professor arjun apadurai he is originally from mumbai and now teaches at new york university he is currently based in berlin his broad interest is in anthropology and globalization with a special emphasis on india dr dinakshi rai mitra she teaches philosophy at delhi university and is originally from calcutta her main research area is philosophy of later wittgenstein and dr christian ul he is a professor for japanese studies at ghent university in belgium His research focuses on modern intellectual history and philosophy in Japan and East Asia. So Arjun why don't we set the ball rolling with you um maybe by going to the maybe the less emphasized word mediation I think one has a hunch for what action is and maybe it'll get defined along the way as we go along um and you've thought about this a little bit how do you distinguish it from action what is mediation why is that special is it a subclass of action is it is it something else altogether what is it well i'm in a department which is called media communication and culture for the last 10 years at nyu so i've been pressed to think about this hmm. uh, term uh, uh, and uh, the thought that it's led me to at least in the environment in which i'm operating is there's a strange divide between the study of communication which is a classic enterprise or departments with that name and media mediation media studies which seem to be a completely separate discipline now they're under like the congress one roof in my department <laughs> but if you look at who's doing what the younger people are doing media theory they actually have some contempt for communication which they think is about propaganda it's old fashioned so they are doing something else so i begin by saying my curiosity was what is that something else since i always was labored under the impression that communication was an act of mediation etc but somehow it seems that there are now two beasts in the room so uh and I that's would, not just a departmental oddity you mean that in a yeah in it's an a conceptual rift uh, that my department expresses otherwise it would be a minor issue so i think what it is is that mediation somehow has a different idea of what is at the two ends mm. 
that is when when mediation occurring is between two things the idea of which has become more complicated than in communication which was the idea of communication which was more uh first of all human centered and had a fairly simple model of sending and receiving and so on but in media studies mediation has become a more complicated term partly to do with latour and so on the issues about material life etc and agency but you also asked the question action right so the and for me whatever we say about mediation which i think does have a new body of thoughts associated with it that word it still to me is a subspecies of what we could call action so there's no way to get around that and you can't i think simply talk of mediation indefinitely without asking what type of action is it, it is and who performs it what type of actor so that way i think it's a subspecies of the old classical problem of action actor act uh actant latour etc mediation is somehow subpart not the reverse so i'll i'll initially put it that way so how does one understand this how is mediant which is a term you use different from actant yeah so for me actant was I mean, is that an overlap it's it's yes, a, and, it's a subspecies you said so and so mediant for me is 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 derived is derived exactly. so and i acknowledge latour it's clear that you know actant idea is his idea uh and it's been a very influential idea and i tried my intention in identifying mediant was twofold one that i thought actant was very broad mm-hmm. uh and that mediant focused on on a process that is the mediation process more than actant did for a scholar like me interested in media that narrowing uh was important secondly so i was just going to say that mediation for me uh requires some engagement with uh materialization so what would be a median a median would be for example uh, the whole uh, uh the screen so if you take the screens all the screens surrounding us from the screens here to the mobile devices to to uh the screen in cinema theaters etc except i think the digital screen reframes all those older screens and the actant would be what the, would be the uh, uh, the actant in that instance could be actually any number of things uh, it could be the entire physical computer mm-hmm. it could be all the algorithmic programming which has some has effects for example when you're like many of us when when buffering happens and the little circle is whirling around something some something is doing something to me so in a sense you also mean mediant in the interface sense yes so i would say interfaces such as screens are excellent examples of mediants sure they may not be the only ones so when we have infrastructure you know wires tubes visible invisible fiber optics there will be some elements in those that deserve the term mediant not right. every piece of infrastructure every tube and pipe and, and wire and of course when you say mediant it's also an abstract object it's not just a, that's a, right so it's also trying to identify the action that is involved in mediation not say that any time something is between two things you know there's mediation so all those things are mediants but to somehow say it is it's a special kind of agency in its relationship to materiality and to communication so what is action then action at least for me is is the thing i'm uh least clear on because it seems to me such a large field and uh, i think when we spoke informally i said that i have only one working definition of action 
because I don't have to think about it professionally all the time. And that's Arendt, who said to act as opposed to behave is to start something new in the world. So that to is initiate action. something. Yes, to initiate something, as opposed to do something that we have seen before. So, so it's voluntary. It's it's it's, it's it, yes, it, and it produces something new. Would you agree, Chris? Um, I have a question. Uh, when when um, acting means to initiate something new in the world, so that is an intentional action, right? So yes. there is intention involved in this concept. Yes. Um, so what is then the action of Laturian non-human actors? Do, you, you know, the fan in your computer uh, that is cooling the processor, you said it does something to you. Yeah. But it doesn't do it with an intention to do something to you, to disturb you or kind of distract you from your work or whatever it is. <laughs> right? Well, uh, you know, I think that's an interesting question which gets to the problem terrain, maybe Inakshi also will be able to help us most in this, which is, are there many kinds of intentionality? So if you have the swinging door, can you say it is devoid of intention 100% or the intention was only in the human who made it or the train, you know, his famous examples, I get on a train, it's going here, I want to go there, but the train intends to go where it's going. Now, I'm but not which, sure. Which doesn't mean that human agency is not overlapping with it or is not the driver not of it. Not overlapping or may have been initially involved. May have been the initiator of the. Yeah. But intent. then, once the thing is running, can we simply say, we always refer back to the human? Can we simply say this thing just is behaving? Uh, maybe. I'm open to the question, but I'm not yet sure that one can do what I suspect Christian would like to do and even I ethically and politically am inclined to which is to reserve that for humans yeah right but mm -hmm. the whole problem the whole interest of the whole Laturian movement also Isabel Stengers and many many other people is to reopen that question and say you know is it reserved to us therefore language is reserved to us intention is reserved to us agency politics metaphysics all are us well then okay then you know, then we don't need to worry about these things. But I do, because I think there's some blurring has been opened up. Maybe we jump to you, Inakshi, because uh, I think we are, you know, all of us have a hunch or two about what action is. Um, can you can you help us get a grip on it? See, when the question comes to, you know, whether, uh, you know, so-called immaterial things, their behavior can also be called action. I think that we, we can address the question this way that um, in the dualist model, they, say, they would say that no, there is a sharp divide between humans who are conscious agents and actions are definitionally those which are caused by conscious intention. And intention falls in the part of in the realm of consciousness and which is ontologically distinct from extension, spatial measurement, etc., etc. And there the dualists get into trouble because they are not actually able to flesh out this ontology of this uh, this eerie, non-extended thing, because you cannot use any physical idiom in order to flesh it out. And uh, so there, I think that, you know, uh, we can, uh, I mean, we, let us not uh, speak of, uh, you know, the so-called material things, not being able to act, not being able to have agency in a way which does not, you know, kind of put us into dualism. So, uh, I mean... Uh, what we can say that, you know, many non-dualists, they will be of different dimensions, of course. Like I can, if I j just take two of them, uh, very, very temperamentally different. One is Leibniz 
and another is later Wittgenstein, of course. They would be, you know, both uh, arguing against this uh, dualistic uh, response that only uh, humans have the privileged power of consciousness and they only act because their action is caused by a disembodied intention. Uh, they would say that no. Uh, Leibniz, for example, he would say that, you know, even the so-called uh, material things also, uh, they act. And uh, the question is not because involuntary action would be, um, you know, not caused by a disembodied intention and so-called voluntary action would be caused uh, by a voluntary intention because there is no distinction like that. So but, for Leibniz, everything is living, but to different, to differing degrees. Yes. He would say that, you know, let us not put the question of being caused by intention or not being caused by intention. The so-called inanimate objects, they space out in a more passive way. That, you know, they're... Uh, so like, the realm of action is narrow? Is, is, is it a... Is, yes. it, is it a space zone thing or, or what is it? Yeah, let me try to put it simply, uh, an actions movement is involuntary because it, uh, in its behavior, it is not, uh, the space gets ossified. It hits the space, hits it in a lumpish manner. Whereas I am able to represent the stone because I have organs which the stone doesn't. I am able to gather light molecules, air molecules, channelize it through my sense organs and Compose. articulate a lot a more, you know, pervasive pattern. Whereas the stone, it also spaces out, but in spacing out, their space seems to be ossified and hitting it as an ossified lump. Whereas I am able to, you know, connect uh, or articulate these discrete uh, you know, uh, things and I'm able to uh, articulate it in terms of a more pervasive pattern. So I space out in a more pervasive style, the stone spaces out in a more restrictive style. So this constitutes a difference between voluntary action and involuntary action. If I can put it in this way, uh, to, to, to carry us further, I mean, to, to start. And when you say lump, you mean it's indistinct. There's no distinction between, so, so for the stone, the world would be one. Uh, I mean, in the sense that it cannot, uh, uh, it is permeated, see, I mean, uh, it, the stone is also permeated by the whole space. I'm also permeated by the whole space. But my way of uh, articulating... What do, you, what do you mean when What do you mean when you say permeated by the whole space? That we are, um, the, the rest of the world acts upon, acts upon the object or the subject? Yeah, see, this acting upon, I just want to put it in a different way because acting upon in the dualistic model... They would be saying that cause and effect are different. And so the cause is preceding the effect. And so the causal friction keeps the distinction between the two. Whereas in a non-dualistic model, it will also, you know, admit a non-containment model of space because things are not contained in space. Hmm. So uh, when I'm, I'm not causally hit by something which is external to me because that external thing is also in a way penetrating me. I'm penetrated by that thing. So in, in, that, in that kind of a world, there would be no such thing as space itself. Is there such a thing as... Space would be there as a relation, but space so won't be as a because container. Of the yeah, it won't be as a container. Uh, so space objects. exists because things exist. Space exists because things exist. Things are not in space, but things are space. Things space out in forms of condensation and rarefaction, uh, I should say. And uh, what I to go back to what I was saying that in the case of the involuntary movements of our body or the involuntary action uh, movements of the stone, there I think that space um, comes as staccato jolts 
or space comes as ossified lumps which you cannot disintegrate which you cannot you know articulate and make and make it into a pervasive pattern there you, you do see there there uh, we lapse into from voluntary action to involuntary action uh, the i mean when when somebody kind of hits me with a stick i given to the injury when so far as i cannot break through this cudgel break to the stick stick and articulate it into into a pervasive pattern that would be my way of you know uh, my way of uh, handling with this injury uh, to counteract the injury counteract means you know i'm able to disintegrate that lump and create a pervasive pattern out of it but giving to the injury or submitting to the injury would be where as if that's uh, that that uh, that space of that stick you know becomes a kind of ossified inchoate lump and you know there the penetrability of the space you know kind of uh, uh, does not does not speak out do things act well uh i think so i'm 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 keeping that presumption open but can i ask a question of inakshi because it's a deep and troubling one for me that even though you've put the the non doer's position which is also mine because also leibnitz but also spinoza comes right up to dulles say there's a line i do take quite seriously even though the end point in latour or one end point latour i'm very skeptical about it, but the line is a very robust line of thought in in western philosophy but the uh, you spoke of the kind of non dualist ontology but i always wondered about the epistemological privilege involved in saying the stone doesn't know this stone doesn't do this <laughs> I mean, because it's me but maybe the stone is talking something about me saying he's constantly breaking up things that shouldn't be broken up they should be lumped i mean how do we assert that from a knowing point of view I don't mean this from a spiritual, you know, some other cultural point of view. I just mean literally epistemology. How to make that claim? So maybe Christian will. Well, I just would like to 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 add a footnote to your question. Uh, so when I ask you uh, the question, uh, what is it? In, is action intentional or not? Mm. Um, I had a a, a political mm. uh, concern uh, about that. So uh, perhaps we can later on uh, get to these things. Um, um, But um, to uh, to point again at that, what, what? When you say political concern, you mean that the subject is designating the object. Well, when we say that things act, and when we ask, for example, as when we suggest as Latour did, a parliament of the things, yes. for right. example, right? Then, in, at first glance, and also in the language in which this suggestion is presented, that seems like a political concern with the suppressed things that haven't been given a voice, right? And so on and so forth. You um, think that's the primary, but, but, and that sounds like a politicization of of the, <laughs> of, the, of the of the of the material world or whatever. But what in fact what it is, it is a depoliticization of of society and politics, and and this is my political concern. I think there is an extremely reactionary uh, spin to it, right? Uh, however conscious that is, and and that's why I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit concerned with saying. That um, you mean it's patronizing. It's that the fan in your computer is 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 doing something to you in the same way in which uh, the, the person that is hitting you with a stick is doing something to you. So the, I think there there are there, there is a difference. We, if we define action in a way that does not allow us anymore to make this distinction, what do we do with what we got lost by defining it that way? That would be my. Uh, what would be 
what would be and again the the important thing here is not to define action i think but what does action for you um for me it is very much um uh i cannot i would like to think of action as as intentional and therefore i um if i'm getting on the wrong train uh i wouldn't um describe the situation i'm in as the train is doing something to me uh you know what i mean <laughs> uh, by taking me into the wrong direction <laughs> yeah and uh and uh, yeah i think in in certain political contexts this distinction uh is very important um um to maintain can you Or explain we, that christian can you just say just one more line on the last thought what is that political cost or danger how would you put it for this line of thought um because we when we when we define action in a when we get to a level of abstraction mm. uh and i think the defi- def- definitions are very important they are actions uh, uh there is always intention there is yeah. always intention involved <laughs> in defi- defining things um when we get to a level of abstraction that uh, at which um what the fan does to the processor uh is basically the same as what um the uh, uh attacker does to you uh, for example right when he when he hits you with a stick or she uh then um then uh, we the term action as a tool for analyzing you a mean certain it's been flattened it's flattened out right, right. it encompasses so many things then that it doesn't mean anything anymore so how does uh, surely people who made these proposals understand this so what's the what's been the move to because obviously action is not one thing it, it it's it's not one flat thing it, it's a crazy kind of landscape there are actions which are i don't know big and small um what how so how's that dealt with so there are just two spaces which i think lend some credibility to this point of view although i actually share christian's worry in the end which is what will politics mean mm. if we If the fan and the yeah, if yeah. we or even if we don't put it so absolutely, if we just say that's an open question, right. what are we mm. putting at risk? Let's right. say without claiming fully that they are the exact same and so on. Even if we put them in the same zone, what's at risk? But to there are two lines of thought I think that make that thought plausible. Mm-hmm. One uh, and again keeping someone like Lato in mind, but not only Lato. One is the general critique of a kind of uncritical humanism which we owe mostly to foucault who's not much visible in latour but i think latour can't exist without foucault already having said that the kind of idea of man so to speak and that brand of knowledge which has humanism as its both its assumption and its object is a particular regime of truth it's not you know it's not truth it's a regime of truth it was produced under certain way it has a history right. and it has a adverse politics capillary politics suppressive politics whatever roughly this is very simplified foucault but that line i think has had the effect of creating suspicion about a straightforward humanism that says look we have intention we have action we have politics let's do our business let's not worry about sticks and stones we haven't solved our problems why we worrying six stones and planets that's one line the other line which is in uh, which leads to kind of latourian plausibility is that is uh, something which he knows indirectly from people like uh, philip descola and so on who are actually anthropologists who are students of other worlds right 
and therefore getting into icons, on top, motifs, yeah, the Amazon and so on and so forth, which have full-fledged worldviews in which all this is not only seen to be true, it is seen to be self-evident. Right. That Absolutely. the bushes, the tigers, the jaguars, you know, and also that we become jaguars, jaguars become us. Now, of course, we can say these people are all foolish. They're wrong. You know, it's primitive thinking. It's magical. This has all been said, of course. But if one has to lend, give some initial plausibility to the cosmologies of 80% of mankind, even if one doesn't analyze them in a Levi-Strauss way or this way or that, but just the evidence, these people live that way. They act in the world that way. They connect to the forest that way. Mm -hmm. So in the sense in which you were saying, they are part of a scheme of things which is deeply non-dualist and completely comfortable to a kind of Latour. Now, they were not there having Latour tell them how to think, but it's rather the reverse. But I would say that, call it cultural range, in which our uh, governing ideas are a particular way of organizing the man-nature relationship. People have very other views. So those two lines, I think, lead to many people today thinking, well, maybe we should struggle with thinking about what politics could be, which I still take very seriously, if uh, there is some latitude in this line about agency and not a sharp end at the point of human. Anyway, that's my thought. So um, there is already here perhaps a political problem. Um, and that is, um, when we think, for example, about um, the human-nature relationship, because you just mm. mentioned that, um, um, when we, there, there seems to be in this whole approach to, uh, to um, inflate the notion of the actor and of, uh, uh, of action, there seems to be uh, the idea that we have to... Um, change our way of thinking in order to um, tackle problems like, for example, climate change, pollution, and so, sure. and so on and so forth. I haven't yet read uh, Latour's uh, Terrestrial Manifesto. It lies on my table Me somewhere. Me neither. <laughs> but um, but um, I wonder if it is really possible, and especially if we, if we, um, if we take seriously you know, the impact, in order to not to call it action, that the uh, um, oil industry has, mm on the way how our world works. Um, if, if, uh, if we can change this world by changing the way how we think about it. So there seems to be an a deeply idealist uh, uh, presumption there already uh, that, that, that is behind this, uh, this uh, well, Latourian or greater project. And what's, another, what's, what's, what's wrong with that? Um, I think it doesn't work. Uh, we have to we have to uh, we have to start with the world as it is, uh, and uh, so and, then, and then we and then we can perhaps understand why we think the way how we think, you know. Uh, so you theorize on the world that is there as opposed to. Well, I would I would I would rather try to identify who are the real actors <laughs> uh, in this world. Uh, who are the real actors? Capital. Sorry. Capital. Yes. So, in a, <laughs> of course, then the question is, what is that? So we have to, yeah. So that, um, that's the marks in you. Uh, there is, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I try so. to put it into one word, yeah. Um, whereas Latour is and, even, and, and La, look, 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 Latour is saying somewhere, you know, 
Capitalism belongs for Latour to these mountainous topographies of, of old school sociology. And, and you, 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 you spoke about a concern, my concern with flattening. Flattening things. And this is exactly what Latour is metaphorically, explicitly suggesting, right? To flatten the, the, uh, the mountainous topography, to, to become flatlanders. He, 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 yes, right? He is uh, right. referring to uh, Abbott. Yes. Then quoting oh. the wrong book. Right. But, um, but, um, and to flatten out the maps, right? To, uh, which are crumbled, right? And uh, such things as capitalism are, are just illusions. They are made up stuff, right? And uh, they are. Uh, all concepts are made up. But, but, the power of, and, but the power of the concept is precisely um, its power to reduce. And what is it? Because you made a very specific point that capital is the main actor. Is that okay? Well, yeah, but this is perhaps a bit early to get there because we 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 uh, we have some issues still. What uh, makes you say that? Um, well, I'm I'm. What makes me say that is that I think that if we try to understand the world we are living in, uh, if we try to understand um, the condition of the possibility of of the problems we are facing, uh, and even of um, because somebody mean- thinking like the way like Latour does, right? Then, then Marx is still providing us with uh, some very sharp tools, uh, concepts in the way I just mentioned it, um, that are explaining something you shouldn't do, according to Latour. We should stop explaining things. We should just describe. Just describe. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, if we just describe, we cannot criticize. Every possibility to really criticize goes away if we if we are. I think the question. Uh Chris is whether it's capital which is more fundamental, or it's or is capital itself a stand-in for, like interaction or of course it is, or or or, or something deeper. No, no, right of course now. it is it because is. capital is currency. It's some kind of a store. Well, ca- or, capital, according to to Marx, is not a thing, so it's not currency or a lump sure. of money, but sure. it's a relationship. It's a, a relationship. social relationship, right. which is where we get back to this mediation action question. Of course, of course, no, no, that's certainly related. Uh, the question is. Um, so how what, how do we talk about it uh, in a, in a way that 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 allows us to? How does one talk about become it? Become actually talk about action. <laughs> talk um, about action, and uh, do, do you, he 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 is is brought in capital in a sense and interactions. See, I mean, if we get back to the old question, which Professor Rapadura was really worried with, that you know, what is the epistemological criteria to say that? Okay, let us be Lebanesian and give them some kind of ontology, some kind of panpsychism. But we uh, all, we do have the gut feeling that there is a distinction between, you know, human voluntary action and the stones falling. And uh, there I would say that, I mean, Wittgenstein would, won't be a Leibnizian, though both of them are non-dualist. Wittgenstein would say that, look, uh, I would put that we have to find the distinction within behavior. I mean, the, the behavior of a stone, that it is involuntary, and behavior of inakshi, that it is voluntary, we have to find within inakshi, inakshi's behavior and the stone's behavior. We can, cannot go to any something like uh, disembodied intention. What Wittgenstein would say that their inakshi's behavior from the way she was born and then the the messy, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of flailing of the arms, the limbs, which was still conceptual because... Our behavior, our babyish behavior also, uh, you know, progresses in terms of identification of uh, individuals and general conceptual features. 
Oh, we always try to see an individual identity and to see a general repeatable feature like the milk bottle in different areas and again mother the same repetition of mother or you know uh, other uh, general abstractable features this structure of behavior identity and repeatable universals this gets a sophisticated extension into what we call verbal language then our messy flailing expansive unsophisticated mass behavior before the formatted word becomes the into oh. ver- verbal language that is concepts proper names uh, you know interjection uh, etc etc now with the animals i mean not to speak of inanimate objects in even with animals this flailing behavior does not get chiseled out into verbal language and not to speak of the stones so here within behavior we find with human behaviors this you know uh, vast you know articulative pattern of you know getting into a sophisticated chiseling out into verbal language and then of course we have the power to you know kind of unsophisticated it and lapse back into very unsophisticated behavior but this is not available with the with the with the animals non human animals and not with the stones and sticks do animals act yes i should say that they act but their non verbal language does not get uh, chiseled out into verbal language that it doesn't it stays there you know with with uh, of course people and with uh, you know in actually we could say for example that our behavior predatory behavior does not get chiseled out the way the leopards get chiseled out into incredible strategy for hunting and catching that for us that is we are very dumb in that regard so i i, I think i guess is reminder to me to uh, take note of the fact that of course we are also massively bio creatures a large part of us as you know mm. biota and so on which are doing things so there's a tiny piece which is doing this other thing and of course if we privilege that thing and say who else has language it's a little bit like my going to new guinea and saying what is your word for marriage there may be no such word right uh, you know so when i say well do they have verbal capacity of my type well of course they may not but what does that tell me so but i would take that away again just to play devil's advocate with the end i think we share i share your concerns that there is something human for which we are truly responsible and capable which is but but it, it yeah. doesn't uh, for me require that sharp line and the the concept i would bring into place can agency be distributed unevenly right that is to say that is not we are agents they are not agents Question is: To what degree are we? What kind of agent? And I for mean, which domain? And for what? Yeah, and for yeah, what? Yeah. So it's evident that we are also animals, and we are limited animals in certain ways, and have become elaborated animals in other ways, and so on and so forth. So this is all. I well think, known. in 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 the sense in which you defined it, mm. which is to say that to act is to initiate something and to create. Now, if one were to take that definition, then it looks like animals do act. Do act. Well, yes, uh, and again, that's why. Again, uh, when I was thinking about our conversation, I was thinking that one of the tough challenges for me is the whole dialogue about humans in relation to animals, as opposed to humans in relation, let's say, to machines. To machines, yeah. Where where the 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 torque is much heavier when you go to a machine. With animals, you know, really resemble us in so many yes. ways mm-hmm. that we can privilege the difference. But with the the fan or the train. then it's really a harder test of and, what kind and when you say distributed uh, yeah. agencies um now for a, for a conception of that kind and if you were to imagine that world do you need to have these three buckets or uh, like animals machines 
humans or these definitions themselves not. are erroneous no these are artifacts of our disciplinary conventions so at all times we have to be careful about them i want to say two things one is we do have to be careful about them if you read someone like let's say karen barad meeting the universe halfway who is a kind of donna haraway 2.0 because she's not coming from biology she's coming from physics right way they niels bohr there's that so it's suddenly business class right. thinking not in economy <laughs> anymore but if you read her indeed all those boxes become insignificant the scale distinctions become insignificant very small things very large things waves and so on all would enter a similar space in which she would be she takes i think a very plausible and hard argued position that this is not a world of clear lines where this is this like that and she's bringing in planet she's bringing in you know the cosmos not just our immediate environments but i did want to ask a question going back to if i may to an earlier point i think something uh christian said uh, which i think is very important i want to go back to relation to capital to politics in other words what are we giving up this worry if we do this are we giving up something about ourselves which then depoliticizes us our lives either in a, some general way or in the specific way that marx thought about my uh, proposal or again reason for waiting you know remember the famous saying that augustine said give me chastity but not yet i would say give me a critique of capital but not yet <laughs> not yet because <laughs> marx as we know stood in a line of thought for which the philosophical term was immanent critique right mm-hmm. and if i say people have all these views of the world should not my immanent critique because these people live in the world the people who argue other things about the way the world is made are also in my world they are also living they are also making telephone calls today i mean how can i base my immanent critique on what my four friends told me you know yesterday at brandeis or today at frankfurt i have to say immanent critique means considering the possibility mm-hmm. which 90% of mankind has found plausible that there's all kinds of agency action counteraction reaction degrees of intention motivation in the world so my question is what do we lose there we lose nothing it just makes the task of immanent critique harder i'd put it even more sharply the traditional immanent critique that comes out of marx has shown itself also to have all kinds of difficulties both conceptual and in execution and in its own evolution towards uh, forms of authoritarianism you can all say those are secondary the real marx this uh, but we know those are all slightly uh, tricky moves to make therefore i would say why not open up and this is actually my position open up a way in which corporations oil companies these malevolent interests can be targeted but that we make that journey through a slightly more complex loop than we have done and allow that there may be all kinds of other uh agentive capacities motivational capacities or as spinoza would say kinds of conatus right uh, which have been butchered by these very interests but that the critique should take all of it into account not just the band of it that we thought was all we needed in existing traditions of immanent critique so this is of course uh, complicating the mix a bit but only to flag that i do think at the end of the day we cannot have an approach and this is where i'm not supportive of latour which is indeed flattening which indeed believes in networks networks means mediation is a totally flat thing all you need is two things and some wire and that's, then the wall street is becoming a not no, in a that, network that 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 yeah. that's the question right that's the question so what are the limits what are the limits of mediation what so so can any two things be mediated 
Well, I think not, uh, because any no, two right, things because can be connected. Because interfaces are technical beasts. I mean, they can't just exist wherever you like. Correct. So, so I think that's a, uh, an important step to ask, when do we have actually mediation going on? As opposed to a pipe connecting two things. To me, that's, that is a pipe. And that's part of the Latour problem. Anytime there's a pipe, there's mediation. My answer is no. Mediation, in fact, is something which adds something, which does something, which changes the relation between the two ends of the transaction. And I'm not sure how I would characterize that difference, but it is a subset of different forms of simple linkage. What can interact in Akshay? Um, see, in order to interact, mm. I have a you know kind of uh, because there needs to be something common for an interaction, right? Now, we don't mean there needs to be a common code, not language in the language sense, not the Chomsky sense even. But w- yes. what what can interact and what cannot interact? Because that would tell us what the limits of yes. interaction are, what the limits I of mediation are. Th- okay, let me th- think of interaction first in, within humans. That I act in a way and the other person has to interpret my action. That is, he has to read my action as intentional. He cannot, first of all, he cannot read me as an involuntary action. But then, uh, you know, right. uh, and he, he has to understand the intention of my action. And then again, you know, he can kind of, uh, you know, refer it back to me and I can again respond. But... Uh, one thing, yeah, one thing is that, you know, this interaction when individual intentions and individual actions are supposed to concert together and go into some kind of group action, there uh, sometimes a problem may come in. Because, uh, you know, so far as, you know, I know how many members there are, what our common goal is, what our common purpose is, how our body movements or our, you know, kind of mental, uh, you know, kind of calculations are being added to each other, uh, then I can I, I can con- con- conceive the common purpose. But when there are too many people added in and men, uh, there are many uh, um, unknown variables, the, the variables go on, uh, you know, uh, proliferating intractably, uh, then you see uh, we lose uh, track of this cognition and then how the individual entities are, you know, clubbing up or snowballing into one and there you see the individual goes into the group that they become incommensurable. It is so far as I know how many members are there and what are concerted activities and what is the common goal is there I know the common unit that which are being adding up but when too many things are added and our movements become confused fussy and then we lose the uh, there is an epistemological gap but then there you is, see uh, one there is, cannot there go is, there is such a thing as collective action there now. I have a problem you see that you know but <laughs> When too many members are added in, and then uh, you know the 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 uh, one becomes epistemologically distanced from the others' limb movements and the others' pattern of movement, and there from individual going to the collective, uh, there you lose. The, then then you may go into a but there could in a be fallacy fallacy of you know Mill's fallacy of uh, collect, uh, distributive to the collective. But there so, could be there could be emergentism there. I mean, because of a lot of local actions, there, there's some emergent collective action. But the, who's uh, going to take that? That agency belongs that to emerges. nobody. That agency, that responsibility won't belong to anybody. So far, I can intend to do myself something. I can also intend that my other co-actors do something. So but your when point I lose, is whether collectives can have intentions. Yes. That's, that's, that's in a way the problem. Yes, mm. yes. Yes. Yeah. So because now we are getting to the problem of agency, right? Yes, uh, we are. And yeah. the question is, <laughs> I think so long as you think about it for a stone or for an individual, one still 
is able to make make that link between agency and action and intention and all of that how does one do that the moment you get into collectives and i think yeah i think inakshi is worrying about larger collectives and no, it's and, kind and, of crazy and, and we are in collectives we are uh, in collectives so so Again, uh, that's and a this fact. is this is uh, this is <laughs> one of the biggest the big problems with who is the master of our history right so we 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 make our history of course we we are the mm -hmm. yeah but we are creating collectively because we are interdependent we 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 are not alone right we 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 collectively create uh, something that that seems to be beyond of our control i think the question is whether collectives can take voluntary collective action you mean if then is there what's the sister or corollary notion of intention for you know, collectives? I, I I think that's possible. Maybe that doesn't need to be. So no, I no, think no, no, no. I think that's possible. But I just wanted to say that even if 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 not uh, a number of individuals uh, consciously forms a collective with certain intentions, even then we are always already, already acting collectively and achieve certain things. Either if we want it or not, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, for example, we uh, we just do our groceries, uh, but in the end, you know, our oceans are collapsing, right? Because there's all this plastic and all this kind of stuff. So we we and and the problem is, we we cannot solve the problems which we create this way on an individual level by changing our lifestyle uh, or something like that. We have to again would. Get to which a collective is, which, is, which is the point of whether individual actions, even if the actions are individual, have only individual consequences? The answer is no. Yes. The, 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 there are potentially collective consequences, and sometimes they could be planetary and so on. That's your point. So this is indeed a, a taking us into a adjacent but slightly different uh, domain, which I think is about, at least for me as a social scientist, in the end, not a uh, say, not someone who's a technically a philosopher, a student of concepts, but really a student of society, let's say. Right. It goes into the aggregation question. Yes. What the great Thomas Schelling once wrote a brilliant small book called Micro Motives and Macro Behavior. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. do lecture halls get filled? People start going to the first row, then they see something, they start going to the back, and there's, this, there's a pattern. That comes and from every time you have a lecture, there'll be 30 people here, 17 people there. No one had a plan. No one, but he shows you time and again. Or people stop to see a car crash; they'll slow down first. Yeah. Nobody is coordinated. Nobody shared anything. But lo and behold, pattern is there. So a lot of people have studied this in a way that actually I don't support because it's oddly apolitical. It just you know mm -hmm. these forms emerge kind of thing. But now, in light of all this Latourian time, I do see that there is a multiple ways in which the negotiation of intentions or the projections of intentions and interactions uh, aggregates into emergent things which seem to have form. And the extreme cases which always test the question of politics, ethics and intentions is crowd behavior. I mean, crowds behave, crowds do things, crowds decide to kill people, but no one still understands the physics of that. Right. Who said it, who did it, because it's too fast. You can't, and you can't interview people who are involved in killing somebody along with 400 other You can't say, well, you know, what happened first? They have no idea. Right. But we know something happened. It is, it is, it is indeed a collective action. And it's a collective intention because you know which, which it could have gone another way. It could have gone to the decision not to kill that person, but it went to the, let's kill the person and other people watch or act, participate. 
So, crowd behavior, mob behavior, and so on has always so been what a, is a limiting here? point. You know, what is what kind of intention is that? <laughs> so, so in a situation like this, and you know, as a mm. social scientist, as you pointed out, you may be mm. very careful not to say it. But are there hidden actors here? Uh, like, what does it mean to say that there is? While I myself said it like a little while ago, what does it mean to say that there is? This is just emergence of something. Well, what I would say, I mean, uh, uh, in a kind of phenomenological descriptive way, since I don't understand the physics, is to say that there's some aspect of motivation, which is another term, it is not causation, it's not intention, it's motivation, which is always part of our armory of sentiments. Which is intertwined with belief and so on. Exactly, but which gets triggered and catalyzed in a particular way. That is the hidden thing. So, it may not be what if you sit me down with a cup of tea and say, you know, do you really hate Muslims? But right. in the physics of the encounter, all sorts of other thoughts I have, less conscious and so on, can be mobilized. Now, right. what mobilizes them becomes an analytic question. Is it a message? Is it a leader? Is it an event? Is it a rumor? There's a lot of literature on this, but nobody knows for sure. But we know there is, if there are hidden things, they are, you might say in the Wittgenstein sense, hidden in ourselves. But we just don't know which part of ourselves and how do they get mobilized because we ourselves form. get transformed. That's in, right. We ourselves get transformed. That's right. Within that action, would you agree? Yeah, but yes, of course. But you know, but I would still, you know, kind of uh, stick to what I was saying. That you can, of course, unless you can describe, I mean, uh, exhaustively, that how exactly you see this kind of mobilization, the uh, crowd turn into a mob, and how exactly the concept, the intention of one person was triggering off and uh, unless you, you if you lose track of the description then you cannot speak of a collective intention or a collective deliverance of a, a behavior uh, because uh, then it won't be a voluntary kind of behavior and cannot give an ontology to the collective intention uh, but then there is no choice except methodological individualism sorry yeah, there is no absolutely. choice but methodological individualism. And they have to bear <laughs> all the costs of that. I mean, it's fine. Absolutely. But there are costs there. So that would have implications for criminology, justice, all kinds of legal okay. implications but, and so on. But Chris, you have something to say. Yeah, I just wanted to... to uh, so uh, <laughs> there is, you, you, you used an in interesting set of terms when you, when you made your last statement about the crowd, the large yeah. crowd behavior. You spoke of, uh, uh, quoting a title of a book, uh, Micro and Macro Behavior. And uh, and then you described something that is I don't know. Uh, and I also saw that already saw that when uh, when you uh, uh, yes. initiated the whole discussion, which we now have, um, uh, uh, that is of course micro microstates and macrostates in me in mechanical statistics. Uh, and then we are we are in physics and entropy and and so on and so forth. Now um, I think. Um, the way how mechanical statistics is dealing with this, with these issues is a is a is a probability function, right? Yeah. Uh, and that brings us uh, back again to if we want to understand now getting rid of physics, mm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that is a different, a different uh, uh, realm. Uh, but uh, then th there is a reason why crowds behave the way they behave. Mm -hmm. That is how the individuals that form the crowd are kind of made up, mm -hmm. right? They are kind of made up in a certain way that makes them behave as individuals in a crowd in a certain mm. way. And because right. crowds are a certain kind of entity, they end up recruiting certain kind of individuals and so on. 
Of course. Right. And, and, and the hidden actors here may be the conditions of the possibilities that make the crowd behave the way it behaves. Right. And, uh, and we have to be very careful in naturalizing these conditions of the possibilities. I guess that for the behavior mm. of a large crowd, biology or behavioral biology or whatever would be sufficient. Or behavioral genetics, if something like that does exist, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But, uh, but, yeah, for, but other, for other things, we need, we need to understand the society uh, and its politics. And but uh, I think the interesting thing, uh, and and and, and that is my con just just to to add that uh, my concern, my political concern to re to restate that is that we fail to recognize the hidden actors when we flatten out our concepts. Right. Can I just uh, say one thing that you know by hidden actors you don't mean hidden intentions, hidden desires, hidden motivations, right? No, I mean things that are not appear when you look at the crowd and mm -hmm. how it behaves but but uh, the the uh, the structures and dynamics the logics within which the crowd is moving and behaves in a certain way so and and this this is this, this of course involves the idea that there is a depth dimension to the reality we observe and the existence of such a depth dimension is um denied so that the existence of that is denied by by Latour and and Latourian uh, things. So, so when you said depth dimension, it has to eventually be in the real world. So what is is is, is what is denied history? What what exactly is? But in very abstract terms, would be a reason why that requires not a description of what you see, but an explanation. Sure. Right. Yes, right. but here the comment that I think would be helpful is for Latour, and since we've taken Latour as representing us, yeah, well, which yeah. is fair enough. I mean, he does, uh, but there are others who would articulate that view differently. But he has made it openly clear that his biggest enemies are the Durkheimian tradition, right, in France. So he's speaking of France. Mm -hmm. That is his. <laughs> Problem, both coming forward to Levi Strauss, etc., as well as all the predecessors going back to Rousseau. That is what he's against. So he has a consciously created counter genealogy of uh, Tarda and this one, that one, which is specific. Each one is in the slot, which is not Durkheim, etc. But the not Durkheim part is very important because someone like Durkheim, in a not very historical sensitive way, not in a very dynamic or context sensitive way, but in a more structural way, said, yeah, if you look at suicide, there are some evident things that turn out at the aggregate level. Right. Catholics mm. do it to this extent, Protestant to this extent. It doesn't mean each Catholic right. has mm. some reason which then aggregates up. It is so the reasons for him are the word was these are social facts, which systemic. meant systemic. Systemic facts that emerge and which are countable, measurable, touchable, feelable. Now, of course, we could make methodological criticisms later on, but the core observation was rather compelling, you know, uh, that that human action has collective patterns and that those patterns have to do with certain characteristics, say Catholicness or Protestantness mm. in the case of suicide, but other things in other matters. So Durkheim pretty much crystallizes for social science, if you like, the importance of the social fact or then he called the conscience collective, etc. These things which are indeed abstractions and to which, of course, we need to bring the dynamism of Weber, Marx, and so on. You can't just say, you know, 
these things just are patterns. I think the question, the interesting question would be, sure, there are humans. Now, are there patterns in the material world, ex-humans as well? Which? Well, prima facie, I would say yes. We, we all know that the entire science of astronomy and astrophysics is based on regularities with stars, black holes. And they, they, they all have regularities. But I think our problem arises... In, in, in the sense in which yeah. they impinge upon social life. Right. In, in so the sense they, in which they impinge upon human yeah. social life. There we come into our zone of contestation. That is to say, is there a sphere of interaction in which, in the last instance, if we may use that Althusserian phrase, right. the sticks and stones and bones and pens are really just props in a human drama? Then the question remaining would be, how to explain the human drama. Do it a Weberian way? Do it a Marxian idea of critique? Do we do it in the capital? Do it something? But the, our question seems to be what we've been discussing throughout is, is that line sustainable? And I would say, for me, it is still the case that it, it's, it's proving interesting to, or it's been productive or fruitful for me as a, as a experiment, let's say, mm -hmm. to consider that there are forms of non-human behavior and action, both individual collective, which actually, uh, going to Inakshi's phrase, actually penetrate us. Consequently, the human is not usefully separated that way. So if you take consumption, you know, shopping and all that, that there are ways of eating things, buying things, packing things, selling things, which are not part of us. They're not just choices out there. They are, they are, this is why capitalism is powerful. Yeah. Because it penetrates our body systems, our life worlds, our habits and thinking. And at that point, it's not very easy to say, you know, how certain forms of arranging things, transporting things, Amazon, this, that, these are, I think, actually, trans or the mobile phone, whatever it is, actually things where it's not very helpful to say, there's me, then I look around, if it was so, you know, social change would be very easy because we would all sit and get in a room and say, you know what, these separate things are not doing very well. Fact is, they penetrate us. Right. They permeate us. That's why they're powerful, capital and other things. Where are you on this, Inakshi? Where are you on this question um, of uh, the material non-human world, which is, mm -hmm. now, obviously, there's a lot of mm -hmm. uh, the world that is, is man-made, it's just human-made. I, I guess we'll have to include that as a part of it. How does that... How is that a part of our social life? Yes, uh, like Wittgenstein said one thing about pain and uh, pain language and pain behavior, which he himself gave definite suggestions, which we can, you know, kind of extend to the talk about the material world as well. As he said that, you know, language is a sophisticated extension of uh, non-linguistic behavior. Similarly, we internalize the material world in the behavior because the material world cannot simply act upon us in a causal mm. model where the two are kept separate. Because so it's a part of our language? It's a part of our behavior? Yes, because we, we, we internalize the material world in our behavior and that behavior gets extended into language. And when, when we use language... Or mm. when we behave, we also act upon the world. So it's a little bit of a reflexive thing. Yes, act it? act upon in a in a non-causal way, which does not lapse into a containment model of space, if I may say. And as, as I would like to add, we 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 act upon the world within a spectrum of possibilities that is conditioned by the world, right? By the and, world, by yeah. the history, and 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 by acting. In this spectrum, we create that world that confines, mm -hmm. that condition, that 
if it's an enabling condition, it not only enables but also yes. conditions, <laughs> right? <laughs> what we are doing. So, so, uh, so, uh, um, I think this is this is the complexity of the of of the issue. And I think, Christian, we probably you will agree. I think, and we might all agree that the one of the conundrums then, given that quality, is why does change ever happen? <laughs> you know, in other words, what Because is it that? Because those possibilities are are because are it's a possibility exactly. I, because I so. because for example, when we when we when when the spectrum is is allowing for um, only contradictor is, for 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 contradictory um, uh, possibilities, for example, then this tension is probably the the, the motor that that at least provides the, the the space for the possibility of a change, right? Um, and sometimes we can change. Uh, I I. I'm very, very pessimistic about our capabilities to uh, to turn things around with regard, for example, to climate change or um, our whole modern project and where it went to. Yeah. Um, so, what's the yeah. future, Chris? I, I, I have a, I have a, I'm rather, as I said, rather pessimistic about. I think we will. In this, will in find. this, in this uh, narrow context of. Action and mediation. Would um, there be would there be new forms? Yeah, but we have to we have to be more concrete. So so um, with regard to uh, to the problems that humankind is facing right now. And In the sense, so so the more concrete question would be, what is the future of what the realm of our action is or could become? Mm. And, so and and I, I, and and does it have this ever expanding sphere and uh, can these things be limited delimited at all yeah so uh, so <laughs> i my my problem is i i have something more uh, because i just spoke about climate warming for example and the possible end of organized human life right um so this kind of a thing which is almost so, apocalyptic uh, so uh, one future could be end of organized that, human life i think that is has become thinkable and that is a frightening thing and i i don't see it's in the realm of the possible it has become possible um and, and there uh, are people who guarantee it bill mcgimmon who says you know <laughs> just be graceful don't try and do anything just don't make a bigger mess and we are going out in 50 yeah. years it's all over and he's a serious man he's not a crazy guy you know uh, We'll and then we have, we have crazy guys <laughs> who say that it's climate warming is just a Chinese hoax instead of yeah, acting upon it. Yeah, that's the other thing. So we have to choose between the crazinesses. Absolutely. And yeah, and absolutely. we have also um, we have also the the Communist Party of China, which, if I look around, is the only uh, uh, reasonable entity that that takes climate warming seriously. Correct. Whatever else you want to say about it, right? but. Uh, um, so uh, so we are living in a pretty crazy uh, uh, world right now. But this is kind of. Of course, that's just fine. my personal. What I would, you know, kind of just add a very short comment to what Christian was saying. That when you talk about possibilities, don't take it in the tractarian model that you know there are uh, so many logical atoms, and when uh, and and these logical atoms are in, they create a logical space. So in a way, possibilities are also given, very determined in a in a in a very logistic manner. I would think that you know be more flexible as. Later, Wittgenstein does, and there you can you can afford to you know kind of uh, get rid of your pessimism and uh, break through what seems to be a kind of ossified uh, you know uh, uh, you know kind of space and uh, and also to uh, not to 
not to not to demand for explanation but you know you just give a more and more detailed more and more detailed you know description of the landscape you just don't go down the depth but just rake out the earth you know dissipate the depths to the surface and then you see explanation will description will come in the form of That's in the form true. of explanation Description that's, that's themselves will, uh, you know, take the form of explanation. You don't need explanation there. You say that's late Wittgenstein, but yes. this exact sentence, yes, you, almost you find in Latour <laughs> that the the uh, the detailed description takes the form of is explanation, the explanation, right? Yeah. yeah, and of course I don't agree with that. I um, see um, because because uh, because and that's that's an epistemological choice. I um, see. Uh, I, which is uh, which is which is the question of whether there is something deep. Ever, right? Is there yeah. is something behind that you cannot just describe, but I just you have to conceptualize? on this exchange that <laughs> I think is, is a very <laughs> revealing one to me. Is everything a surface phenomena? Can you just describe well, the big the difference to me from the people's point of view about Wittgenstein and say Latour, though the, it's a shocking convergence here yes. that I know has <laughs> deep, deeply disturbed you. Shock, shock right <laughs> <laughs> is that Wittgenstein, at the end of the day, to me, Language is at the heart of his thought. Earlier, later, doesn't matter when he was born, when he died. Language was central. Uh -huh. Latour case, zero language interest. It's the one issue in which he has no interest. Language is discourse, he's not interested. Language is meaning, he's not interested. Semiosis, he's not interested. It's 100% cleansing of language. <laughs> so somewhere there's a disconnect, although this statement looks very convergent. But I want to add one comment. That if makes I may, it the, universal, maybe. <laughs> maybe. On the future, can I just, on the question of yes. where are we going, I, I'm not going to answer that uh, in the sense that it's, it's, it's to me really both a very urgent and a very opaque question, but pointing out something which makes it hard for me to take a position. I do believe people like Bill and Gibbon, I take them very seriously. I don't believe them, but I take them very seriously. When they say, look, there's a very short time left mm -hmm. and there's not much to do, so don't just make do more damage on your way out. <laughs> I mean, I take the position seriously. It has to be taken seriously. I'm not sure it's absolutely correct, but it may be a question of 60 years, 70 years, can we do this, can we do that? But nobody says, we have 4,000 years, let's take our time, I have 100 conferences, mm -hmm. and nobody <laughs> says that. that who's sensible? <laughs> but the, Be careful, don't book your tickets for the conferences. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. But the, the contradiction I see, and I've asked a lot of people about this, which prohibits me or inhibits me from uh, taking up the question of action in the future, mediation in the future, interaction in the future, is that you have the Anthropocene view, which actually says, we have ruined everything. So it's actually we, we, we. we it's we, we have killed it. It's a, the other view is in fact the Spinoza view. Hmm. We are nothing. There yeah. are thousands of agents. So why are we worried? You must yeah. There are thousands of agents out there, planets, rocks, snakes, yeah. songs, and who knows how many others will emerge. So we are minuscule. Anthropocene, we are everything. We've yeah. destroyed everything. We have only 10 minutes left, etc. Yeah. Uh, so to me, there's something not entirely compatible about these two views, both of which have a certain measure of credibility to me. So, so therefore, projecting becomes very hard because if I took the view that the human future is going to be very short, but there's going to be a planetary future of some type we can't imagine or predict, then the question of politics completely what is, changes. What is, but what then, is you have, then you have to be even more pessimistic. Because I your, mean, in, in, in some billion years, you know. 
you know but it the next species will take over something nice no, no, but the very meaning of politics will have changed because yes. we are not in the equation well we will be swallowed up by the sun having become a a a, a, no, red, a red giant or something like that that's that's <laughs> that's a long way away <laughs> yeah, what is your Moreover. instinct on this well, my instinct is in fact that we have a a, a, a very narrow time window I, i that's my view of what the expert literature as far as climate mm. and the planet is concerned but that doesn't exempt us from striving for continued imminent critique for continued ways of mobilizing or countermanding so in india for example i don't think it exempts me from taking a very strong position modi does that there's no excuse for not doing that even if you can't tell what the story will be in 75 80 years so sure so my personal position is not very well rounded in the sense that i do see a short window but i also see that it is profoundly uh uh ethically dangerous to therefore opt out so, uh, what is it better let's no no i'm not saying that we should no no you're not saying no no i'm just expressing my view <laughs> not at all in actually what's the future so and, I, and you know i don't want to necessarily pull you out and have you say things about human existence and all that what's the future on this question of action what can be acted upon uh i think if we just uh, rethink the issue of ethics and you know rethink that what what it is to uh, for a thing to have an ethical value that is to say that um, the main thing that we learn from kant is that you know the good is that which is good in itself i mean to see the things you know in itself and therein i would put ethics and mathematics on the same footing because mathematics teaches us to see look don't look at the thing that the units that they are put on the material medium how they causally interact they might go berserk they might causally flare up other units and they won't keep their paradigmatic identity you see the paradigmatic identity within these uh, you know messy uh, you know world of uh, units because we are never don't worry about the fact we are not ever been able to draw perfect circle a perfect one or a perfect triangle but see the perfect within this causal mess similarly to see the things in their real value in spite of their uh, non utilitarian you know kind of dimensions uh, they're uh, not reaping any benefit huh? and uh, you know but uh, to see the thing in itself and not the sunflower as it is and not whether it is able to give us uh, whether we are able to extract some oil out of its you know kind of a uh, Uh, it it it's uh, it's body in order for for your cooking oil and so this thing that is to see the intrinsic value of a thing beyond the utilitarian and the causal uh, you know the, the causal happenings this is the this is important uh, that we should uh, do whether to to make the they make the world a better future do you do you have a dualist view of the world yourselves No, no, I just started. I started by that's being a non-dualist. To say that both Leibniz and Wittgenstein are non-dualist in very, very different ways. Leibniz would not go. Uh, sorry, Wittgenstein. Can would the world not go. be acted upon? Can can the future be acted upon? No, I know. I know. Uh, I think acted upon. Yeah, to act upon, you have I to internalize it. I think Arjun has spoken about this Anthropocene view and obviously contrasting it with the Spinoza and this that. But can, can I just? Yeah, I just wanted to say that you know to act upon, we have to always think that you know. Uh, to act upon means uh, not causally because uh, hmm. you know we we the, the actor and the acted upon they are not distinct as cause and effect because they are not two different things which are contained in two different spaces because i am when i am being acted upon or when i act upon something i am in a way penetrated because space is all penetrated right so uh, 
in that sense you know to be acting upon or to be acted upon there i am uh, you know already i'm notionally conceptually oriented i mean as i was saying uh, you know i think in a last conversation that you know when uh, uh, the external stimuli don't fall upon me as totally virgin i am already conceptually oriented when i take them in mm. so whenever even if i externalize it in my language game of externalizing it i've already internalized it so in this sense we have to understand that you know acting upon it being acted upon and i think that you know this interpenetrative space this permeation of space this gives us a vast range of possibilities that look you know things are not there you know these are not terminal units of space and only from this unit to this unit the avenue is also cut up you can you know kind of make ravish i mean havoc experiments with these so called you know breaking these units you can break these avenues because these units these uh, you know kind of destinations these uh, paths in between uh, they are not given they are not given because in okay. you know, space is not given you can just create and recreate space similarly we can create and recreate future we can create and recreate different ethical uh, ident- uh, paradigms okay could an investment banker afford this ethics without getting a sack without getting her huh? without getting sacked from the investment bank <laughs> you know what uh, what what I what I what I'm thinking what I'm um what I mean is um again we are talking about how how we should construct or or normativities our ethics right how we how we should change our way of thinking about ethics but i think you've constantly but, but, pointed out that the world is a certain way i think uh, inakshi's point is that the world could be of another kind yeah yeah but 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 yeah but how how do we get there mm. so, so, so so that's a pra- <laughs> that's a practical question right and and the practical question is a political it's not a question of of uh um how we think about things so 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 we have identified the problem and and now we have to figure out how we overcome it and uh, and i think it is certainly an important insight so so you 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 mentioned leibniz uh which is which is one of my favorites and he, and he is mm-hmm. one of the few in the history of uh, european philosophy who is who is uh, siding on the side of intentional logics right and he is kind of talking about aristotle's subject and then and then he has this beautiful uh, example how how the subject uh, always um contains the predicate right mm. uh, which yes. is so vast that in in the end it encompasses the whole universe right uh so as a the monad that mirrors the whole mm. universe right? so that's very beautiful uh um um more power to leibniz of course of course always yes <laughs> so so he's really an amazing uh and it's also i mean in 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 when he when he dealt with mathematics uh, he he's always interested in things that have to do with infinity right uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is very kind of free. but um but um um i uh, um again i think we have to ask so ourselves so chris you are negative arjun seems kind of negative but are you in actually and we'll end with that Yes, I would be uh, positive because I don't like Wittgenstein. I don't believe in frozen essences, so uh. the thing can be, you know, kind of uh, looked at in so many different aspects. And Nancy, you know, sorry, I missed the keyword because uh, frozen essences. Yeah, in I don't believe in frozen essences. Uh-huh. Got it. Uh, so uh, 
I mean, and the other thing that I was trying to tell that, you know, yes, I mean, uh, unlike Leibniz, Wittgenstein would not say that, you see, the things go on in a predetermined mode mm-hmm. uh, to, towards infinity. Because he would say that in any way, every uh, phase, there is the inexplicable. Inexplicable not in the sense that every explanation, every explanatory rule has these hidden presuppositions which cannot, on ultimate analysis, be propositionalized. You cannot formulate it in terms of a conditional proposition where you know that what is the antecedent, what is the consequent, and how is relativization working. Because these presuppositions are already there, you know, we have these endless possibilities of, you know, kind of 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 uh, you know putting them in the in the in a you know many flexible directions terrific mm-hmm. on that positive note thanks to all of you for making thank it you. and we look forward to having you soon again thank you for coming yeah. thank, thank you for inviting thanks. us thanks thank you thanks, thanks a lot <laughs>